0: Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. I told Daryl this morning I said that feeling of standing before the congregation has has never gone away. And I'm not sure why it is there, but uh, you know, there's always uh for me uh, for me, there's always this uh, little bit of trepidation, a little bit of I don't know responsibility, weight of. I don't know how to say it. But anyway, so anyway, I, I do covet your prayers this morning as I share because, again, I share as a as a needy creature myself. Not as one that has everything taken care of, but as someone that is striving. Okay. Y'all know that I kind of a teacher by nature, and so I uh, got a couple of questions. What is a paradox? What is a paradox? Contradiction. A contradiction. A contradiction. Anybody have another thought? of what a paradox is, something that seems to contradict, contradict. okay, and we'll probably be looking at that today in scripture. The definition means contrary to expectations, contrary to existing belief, or a perceived opinion. I'll read that again. Contrary to expectations, contrary to existing belief, or perceived opinion. I'll give you a couple of examples. Less is more. If you think it is true, then it must be false. But if you think it's false, then it must be true. Or... I am nobody. Bernard Shaw said, What a pity that youth must be wasted on the young. What does sophomore mean? Sophomore. Y'all remember? Close. Any of you all remember what sophomore means? Wise fool. fool. Thank you. Wise fool. So sophomore in high school is a paradox. Truth is honey, which is bitter. That's not a question. Oscar Wilde said, I can resist anything but temptation paradox. And so as we look at scripture this morning, there is a paradox in scripture that we studied in at uh, Maranatha that was, that was very interesting to me. And I've chosen this morning to, to share a little bit about that paradox in a message. And I'm hoping that I put all my eggs in one basket. The paradox is, come out from among them and be ye separate As, As chosen people of God, we are called to come out from among them and be separate. But God also says, go ye therefore into all nations. The paradox or seeming paradox. How do we explain that? How do we look at that? Now, we live in a fairly conservative setting thus far in the Shenandoah Valley, but things are changing. And I know that many of you all that have lived a number of years in the Shenandoah Valley and even in this world know that things are changing. At one time here in the Valley, we very seldom heard of a lot of drugs or violence because our towns were quiet little towns. And when I was a teenager, I remember hearing of a prominent Harrisonburg business person, their wife being being abducted and murdered. And that was a shock to the surrounding community. But today we hear this stuff all the time. And it seems like we have gotten used to the fact that these things are happening more and more. Today we hear and read about stabbings and shootings. We read about fraud and embezzlement. We see people who steal and do all sorts of things that were once unmentionable. And some of that is done by people that live right around us in our, quote, quiet communities that may be not quite as quiet as it used to be. Why the decline? We know why the decline because the Bible says that men shall wax worse and worse. But the question that I would really like to ask is not just why the decline, but why are we not shocked anymore? Why is it just everyday life anymore? Is it because we're getting used to it? Is it because... It's just everyday life. We're becoming more like the world because it's happening. It's not because it's happening more. It doesn't bother us as much as it once did. Are we and I say when I say we I say me but I say this as a church. Are we allowing the sinful things of the world that are now a part of our Quiet little towns and communities to creep into our thinking and then possibly finally into our lives. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we read these verses here about not being equally yoked. This is, and we think about business, partners, and things like that, but it isn't just about that. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen, starting at verse fourteen, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, this is part of the paradox, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." the Bible clearly states right here that we are not to be yoked together with unbelievers. It's not just referring to business. It does include business for sure, but it's not exclusive. It means a continual daily association. Unequally yoked in the original means to yoke up differently. To yoke a mule and an oxen. But it also means to associate discordantly. Now that word stumped me. Anybody know what discordantly means? Lack of harmony. Okay. Anyone else? Discordantly. A discord. Some of the boys have been playing the guitar. And it's very clear when they discord. You can hear the discord. It means conflicting association as well. To associate discord, discordantly, or conflicting association. The word fellowship means to share or participate. By implication, to belong to, to eat or drink with, to be a partaker with, to pertain to, to use. Touch not means to attach oneself. And the words unclean thing mean something that is impure, something that is ceremonially ceremonially or morally lewd, it also carries the term, the, the, the meaning of being demonic or foul or unclean. And those are some very strong words in describing these words. We all know that when we're around certain types of behavior, on a day-to-day basis, we, be, we become accustomed to it. And you can say that we become calloused. When we are constantly exposed to things or behavior, words, whatever, that may be less desirable, our tendency is to participate or even mimic. Not that we started there, but that it somehow Infiltrates our mind and we become callous to it. It's not shocking anymore. And so it just subtly eases in to the seat beside us or eases into our heart and mind. And then we find ourselves thinking some of those thoughts or saying some of those words or going to some of those places. It could be bad language. It could be attitudes such as anti-authority, anti-church, anti-government, anti-church rules, or even anti-God. It could be thoughts. And I'm sharing this from my experience, not looking at anyone else. It could be envious thoughts, or hurtful thoughts, or lustful thoughts, or any other thought that you can put in the blank there. Now, for you all that don't know my background, I didn't grow up in the Mennonite church, and so I've had to kind of find my way as God has led, and and I've been guided by godly people, and I thank the Lord for those people in my life. But you know, these things are things that I have dealt with personally, that I have had to, by God's grace and help of other people, weed out. Mimicking behavior because of exposure. Thoughts, music. I went through the gamut of the music thing. You know, we grew up where there there were, were basically no restrictions on what I listened to. And so I went the road of country and rock and pop and some of those other things. But thank God for His grace and mercy in my life that I'm not there anymore. It may be substances. It may be alcohol. And I know that we preach against this, this, we teach against this, and it is excellent that we do. But as we expose or are exposed to some of those things, it may have a subtle influence on us And maybe young people, more so than older people, that can slowly wheedle its way into our lives, our hearts, our minds, and even into our bodies. The use of alcohol, maybe even tobacco, drugs. And again, we don't think that we're going to go there, but that song, Sin Will Take Me Further Than You'll Want to Go, that song often comes into my mind. Places we go. Today, more and more, the restaurants are centered around entertainment and alcohol. And we see that has, has just exploded in our once quiet communities. But we also see people going to those places. Maybe even lawn parties or county fairs. Things like that. Some of the things that we read or even listen to, westerns, love stories, talk radio, podcasts. There was a time in my life when Bill Clinton was president that I was very into Rush Limbaugh, a very conservative radio talk show. And I listened to him basically on a day-by-day basis. And you know what? It changed the way I thought about some things as a Christian. And I had to, at one time, say, you know what? I think I need to get away from this stuff to get back on track with God and have a right attitude towards government and those in leadership And I thank God for his mercy. I don't listen to Rush Limbaugh anymore. I try to stay away from talk radio. But again, some of the things that we read, that we listen to, maybe even some of the things that we visit online, you know, they can have a very, very subtle influence that can destroy our Christian walk. And I know that for some of you, this is probably, he's old school. He's a stick in the mud, and that's fine. I don't mind being that. If it can help us, me, you, to stay on that narrow path, following Christ, that we can enter into eternity with him forever, I'll be glad to be that stick in the mud. I'll be glad to try to help you our children, our families, whoever, and myself to stay on that straight and narrow path. But again, I say these things because these things have been and are a battleground in my life. And probably for many of you, some of these things may not pertain, but probably some of them do. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I want you to think about the paradox here. Just remember, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Starting at verse 1, it says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, and thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them or show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Look at that. God chose these people and he said, Go in there and just wipe them out. Because there's a reason. Because if you don't wipe them out, the things that they practice are going to eventually affect you as a person, as a people, as my people. God in His infinite wisdom knows that we are influenced by things that we are exposed to. We read about it here. And God gave specific instructions to these people to utterly destroy to completely get rid of. This word utterly means to seclude, excuse me, to seclude specifically by a ban. I want you to think about that. Specifically by a ban. In other words, he was saying complete disfellowship. To be blunt as to the nose think about that utterly means to seclude sorry to seclude specifically by a ban to be blunt as to the nose to have a flat nose to utterly slay i don't know what all that means it was very interesting to me but i think if someone gets punched in the nose it's going to utterly destroy well maybe not their nose Anyone know anything about prison? I've read some articles about prison and prisoners in the past. And I have read and understand that, by the way, I was on the boys' camp board, and they said that the way that they determine the prison population in the next 15, 20, 30 years is they survey how many third graders are entered into public education. And they take that number of the amount of third graders and they have a calculation that lets them know approximately what percentage of those young males will eventually be incarcerated and then they use that to plan for future jail size or prison. Prison does not typically rehabilitate the offender. And I'm, that's not a general, that's not a, a across-the-board statement. But prison does not typically rehabilitate the offender. Why? Why would you think that prison does not typically rehabilitate? Say it again, please. The heart is not changed, the heart is not changed but there's, also, there's more to it than that. That's true, but there's more to it than that. Because of the influence of the people that are there. When you congregate a whole group of people together whose heart is not changed, because of the freedom of Christ in releasing them. When you gather a whole bunch of, of people to gather in one place that have not been redeemed, that have not been reborn, then you have a whole bunch of people that have a lot of these things that I mentioned. They have attitudes and evil things and, and evil things that they say. Going to prison does not change the heart or the attitude. It only affects the freedom of the physical being to where they go. So when you have a group of unregenerate people, you have a group of people that are influencing each other with thoughts and actions that for the most part are fairly seriously bad. And again, I'm not saying that as a general statement because there are stories of people that have overcome, that have gone in and they have made this incarceration a stepping stone in their life where they gained education, they, they were born again, or something else happened that it became a success story for their life personally. Maybe not spiritually, but sometimes just physically. Is it possible to be exposed to some of the evils of this world and not be affected spiritually? Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible to be exposed to some of the evils of this world and not be affected spiritually? True. True. Thank you. Any other thoughts? Will it affect you? Listen, you can be the strongest Christian person in the world, but you continually expose yourself to evil communications, and it will have a subtle effect on you. Now, I'm not saying that, that we don't go, ye therefore, into the world. I'm not saying that. It's the continual... Communication. It's the everyday experience. It's the being involved with that kind of thing that affects us. Are you a child of God? If I would ask that question and ask for a raise of hands, I would imagine that many hands would go up. The other question that I know that we could ask all over the country, not just here in our congregation, is... Do you want to go to heaven? I would dare say that everyone would raise their hand. But how do we get there? We are going to need to seek. We are are going to need to put forth effort to do things that are going to help you Be a child of God. Help you to be able to get to heaven. Help you to know that you've been born again. We need to seek those things. We need to seek God. We need to read and pray. And surround ourselves with people that are going to help us spiritually. Because if we surround ourselves with some of this list of all these other things, no man is an island, my friends and it will take us down quicker than we can imagine. And unless we have people around us that can rally around us and help us, unless we have the Holy Spirit that can prompt us, unless we have a good guidance in our lives, we are probably going to go down. God is not going to suddenly plop into your heart, into my heart. He's not going to suddenly appear to you and claim you as one of his children. We need to seek to find. Isaiah 55, verse 6, and several after that Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from the heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God wants each one of us to seek him. He wants each one of His created beings, created in His image, to be a part of His kingdom and that relationship with Him. In 1 Timothy, it says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of truth? God wants us to be there, to be available, not to surround ourselves with all the evils of the world, but to build ourselves up in the most holy faith so that we can be a part of the paradox of come out from among them, separate yourself from this evil generation by a change of heart, by the renewing of our mind through Jesus Christ and His shed blood, establishing ourselves in faith and then moving forward. As it says, go ye therefore. He wants us to stand, he wants us to strive, and he wants us to think on the things that are worthwhile. In Philippians 4, we read very familiar verses. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odeus and sintiki that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also... True yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other fellow laborers all whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And then it gives some more specific instructions. It says be careful or don't worry. About things, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's saying that if we are there with Him, He will be there with us. It says, In everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace that He has available for us is going to be a part of us. And then in verse 8 it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, just honest confession for me. Sometimes I get burdened down with some of the things that I have on my plate. And sometimes I don't think these good things. And sometimes that really takes me a little bit down where I don't want to be. And so I have to tell myself and allow God in His Spirit and through other people to work in me and my heart that I try to think on these things, that I practice what I'm preaching because sometimes the weight is heavy. Sometimes the thoughts take us down and maybe you're not there. Praise the Lord for that. But if you are, God is there. He's available. And it's giving us some specifics here. It says, do these things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. Think on these things. As we think and do the things that God desires, it's going to affect us to the point where we are going to distance ourselves from the things around us that alarm us. We're not going to go some of those places. We're not going to look at some of those sites. We're not going to say some of those words. We're not going to think some of those thoughts. Now, there will be temptation that comes your way. There's no question that comes our way. But God, in His infinite wisdom, says He will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able. And so that quote earlier, I can resist anything but temptation, is man's idea, not God's. Because God enables us through His Spirit to be able to resist those things. God asked the children of Israel to utterly destroy those inhabitants of the land, so that they would not draw them away from Him. And in doing so, that they could remain faithful. But you and I are challenged in the same thing today. Not necessarily to destroy those physical inhabitants, but to utterly destroy the influence of sin in our life, In our life, so that we can be faithful. That's what God wanted those children of Israel to do. Utterly destroy them so that you can be faithful. So that we can have this right relationship. And as we are equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we are equipped with His word, as as we safeguard our hearts and our minds, it's going to enable us not to build a fence. But it's going to enable us to go ye therefore into the world. Not to associate but to minister. Not to be a part of but to share the gospel. Matthew 28, the last part of that says, Go ye therefore... It doesn't say, Go ye therefore and participate in everything that the world is doing. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that they're doing. You're supposed to just go do what they're doing. No, it's not saying that. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then it says, I am going to be with you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Is it a paradox? No. It's truly not a paradox. It is truly what God teaches us. They are not conflicting, but they are hand in glove that we can minister the gospel not only to those that are right here in the midst of our congregation but that we can be strong enough in our faith to minister the gospel to those around us. Thank God, I thank God, someone shared with me the gospel. I hope you feel the same way. May we continue to be faithful. Lord bless you.